1: Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 41st episode of 2021. You know, a few weeks ago, I sent letters to each of the governors in every state across the nation to encourage them to follow the US Treasury's guidelines to prioritize fiber for broadband projects funded by the $10 billion Corona Capital Projects Fund. In this letter, I also highlighted our plans to make our fiber optic technician um, training available to the workforce development offices in every state. We received a really nice personal response from Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, expressing interest in our fiber optic training program. We'll, we continue to see strong demand for this program across the country. And we're gonna be launching our pilot at the beginning of the year with Wilson Community College and Greenlight Community Broadband. Um, so this will get ready for our launch nationwide not launch next year. On the regulatory front, the Fire Broadband Association will be filing comments today with the FCC to refresh the record on the multi-tenant environment, you know, MDUs, highlighting that agreements between service providers and MTE owners must not um, provide exclusive access or impede competition. For the third week in a row, the FCC has authorized, um, released authorizations for RDOF winning bids. Last Thursday, the FCC authorized 469 winning bids so these approvals continue to trickle out but at least the frequency of the announcements now appears to be weekly so we'll see how that goes on the bipartisan infrastructure package front the speaker is still targeting the end of october for a vote you know we continue to believe that the bill will remain intact as passed by the senate and the infrastructure bill is continuing to be held hostage until agreement can be reached on the reconciliation plan you know that there are daily meetings but it's really hard to gauge progress so stay tuned we'll find out what happens there so speaking of progress today we have a very informative session planned for you to examine how fiber planning and design has gone mobile and again good morning and welcome everyone i'm gary bolton the president and ceo of the fiber broadband association you know last week we met with iq iq geo who walked us through the fiber operator maturity model that helped us understand where the pitfalls lie in the design and management of fiber networks. So staying on our planning and design theme, today's guest is Tom Carroll with Inghouse, who's going to share with us um, how fiber planning and design, design has gone mobile. Tom is the director of solutions engineering and has worked in information technology for 27 years. He specializes in pre-sales uh, for telecommunications, service assurance, and information uh, security systems. So welcome, Tom. Glad to have you here today.
0: Gary, thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate
1: it. And for audience, you know, please type the questions as you go so they can do Q&A at the end of the presentation. So with that, I'd love to turn it over to Tom.
0: Thanks again, Gary. So what we're going to explore today is this new paradigm of going mobile. And, you know, mobility really is the ability to perform a work task no matter where you're at, even on the road or just remote working. So so um, in uh, 2020, COVID kind of introduced a new workforce model for all of us almost overnight. Um, a lot of companies were scrambling to try and figure out how do we do business now where nobody's coming into an office day in and day out. Fast forward a year from there, 2021, now companies are starting to capitalize on that same model. They're really looking at how how to best leverage this mobile workforce instead of um, it being a necessary evil in the past where, you know, allowing people to work from home, now encouraging that where possible, right? So. Um, this, is as far as a, a complementary trend to that, is, is cloud-based and or cross-platform solutions that really empower and enable this remote workforce. Um, and that to take that to the logical conclusion, especially in uh, a germane to this conversation, is the uh, having fiber engineers who are what we call digitally transformed, right? So now they have these digital tools and applications that allow them to do their job, but more directly interact with the system of record to do and contribute to the system design and planning process, as well as the quality assurance and operations process now. So as far as the trends go and and the metrics out there, depending on what surveys you look at, most all of them show a positive benefit to this new mobile um, workforce model. Uh, you you were talking about lowering cost and, and increasing productivity. Um, I know personally, I, I save myself a half hour, not to mention the gas and dry cleaning costs for suits and ties, or or even wearing socks. You know, that's something that that I just don't do anymore. But uh, it's it's great to to see. And the punchline really is that last bullet of a significant 94% report that productivity of their business has not decreased, right? It's either stayed the same or it has increased. And so now that that explains why people are now embracing this model and leveraging the new technology that's out there that really lets them uh, take advantage of it. So in order to enable this, especially in a fiber planning and design phase of, uh, of a project or projects, having the right tools is key. It's not about just taking your regular cell phone out into the field where it might be raining or, or freezing high humidity and standing out there for hours doing a remote survey of a site or an inspection, a quality inspection of the construction that's happening or just surveying where the network is going to be laid, either maybe inspecting where which towers it's gonna to be on, which, which utility poles. Right, so now this contribution and these GIS, GPS enabled devices really allow the field team to be part of the solution to improve the accuracy, to improve the efficiency of finding those fiber splice locations faster and quicker. A lot of places are very remote, um, and and a, a GPS device can really help identify and find that problem. But then, you know, the applications on top of these, these are regular. Android or micro, even Microsoft operating system solutions that carry the applications that connect them back to the NOC so they can see the work that they've done, um, whether or not the, the NOC recognizes that the service has been restored is the same view that the field technician uses before he leaves the site, or before they leave the site. So it's a, it's a, it's a very powerful closed loop um, work order process there where you receive a work order on the mobile device. You go to a site, you use the device to find the, where the work needs to be done. You input your contribution to the work order, send it back to the not get confirmation that the work was done. And then you go to the next site, which is geographically and, if, and more efficiently closer to you so that you can get more work done in a single day. So now let's take this to the next level. And for, um, for, for purposes of this discussion, this is, uh, Unity Fiber has posted this on their Facebook page, right? So this is public information. Um, one that we're, we're just very familiar with, with Unity as a customer of ours. But this the, the purpose of the, this conversation is really to explore what they have done. So they've taken this mobile concept to the next level. So living on the, or doing business in, in the Gulf Coast, right? And I'm, I'm on the Florida Atlantic East Coast. So we get our fair share of, of hurricanes and understand, yes, everybody has a disaster recovery plan here. Um, but it's another thing to have a disaster recovery plan where you have a, rem- a remote location, takeover operations versus taking a mobile trailer with your operations inside of it to the disaster recovery site, plug in and get emergency management up first and foremost so that they can speed up the recovery of the local place, but then use that trailer as a command headquarters to, one, uh, dispatch and look at where your field assessment teams are to survey the damage and understand what needs to get done. Um, They use a GIS operational dashboard inside the trailer that has a multi-layer single pane and glass approach right so it has obviously a base map showing the topology of the local area but it also overlays their fiber network down to the detailed low level design area so they can see where these splice points are that they may be able to plug in and provide emergency service to those those first responders. Um, This also overlays the real-time network status where the outages are, trouble tickets are created and then assigned to people um, in the field to begin the work. They also use a satellite overview to assess the damage and see where flooded areas might prevent them from getting to the fiber assets, so they know where to prioritize where they can do work now. Um, this is all a, a fantastic integration uh, on a platform, right? That, that allows all these different types of information to be aggregated together. And the and the objective, the goal here, obviously, restore network services significantly faster. Not only to restore the service, but also use the a uh, joint Operations center as a, a Wi-Fi hotspot so that people can drive in proximity of it, get online, get connected, talk to their family, friends, and let everybody know, let emergency management know what types of service might be needed there. So this, again, I encourage everybody just go and look at the video, it's about five minutes, but it's it's really taking that fiber planning and design model to the next level, taking the operations into the field, but leveraging hey, where where's our network, where's this damage, learning from the experience learning where they may need to redesign the network so that in, a, in the next hurricane, um, they may be able to prevent some outages. I mean, they had Hurricane Ida this year, they had Sally and Zeta last year. So yeah. it's been very active.
1: That's interesting, Tom. I was just on a panel yesterday in Vegas with um, Doug Parker from Unity Fiber and he said this past year they had five named storms. So, um, yeah. you know, luckily they have a lot of buried uh, plants, so they were very resilient to that. But I can see where this would, especially in that Gulf Coast area. Yeah,
0: and again, it's really bringing a, an operation into a disaster area versus a disaster recovery site. You know, hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away. This this really is a new model that I think should be modeled for for especially the these areas. So what are we looking at, really, in in a unified view? And the way that we look at it is that this this view, really, it's a single view, but it has different perspectives depending on your role. What's your role in this process, right? So um, depending on whether you are a fiber engineer and it's your job to... Uh, assess where, the, where new fiber markets are and plan for those types of things, engineer and design and network, understand the cost of that, um, versus being in an operations center more interested in, one, what are the real-time faults and performance issues that are happening in the network? Where are my trouble tickets? Responding day-to-day on issues like that. Um, but having access to the fiber design down to the lowest level of detail so that you can assign work orders to a field team that has a mobile view, right? They have that mobile device, that rugged tremble device or, or ruggedized tablet. They receive their work orders, fill out a form, they go to a location, they do the work, they complete their work, they complete the work order per se, move on to the next one. Or whether you have an executive view right this is a much simplified view that really is meant to just answer the question how's my business doing today what are the kpis that tell me where what decisions i need to make provide some decision support for that and most importantly to keep them away from the other tools so that they don't mess those up so this is and i use the term traditional here right this is a, a very familiar process. You see a a cycle of wheel for for many things, but fiber broadband rollout really does go through four basic phases. of You you have a planning phase. It's really about business justification. Why are you doing this? How much is it going to cost? That spills into the design and engineering to get a bill of materials, site selection, those types of things. And then now's the time to to break ground and, and have a a network rollout with construction and engineering and pulling fibers and then at the end of the day light it up to operate it to start the billing process the enable the sales team to to sell new services in new markets you know and then uh it it really doesn't spin the loop it just kind of keeps going so this is a, a simplified view of it but let's go to the next slide and we'll see what what that looks like more practically and reliably what happens is that process that we just talked about is happening all over your network and in every possible way at every stage of development planning for new markets construction of uh, existing plans and designs maintenance of your current network and services repairing of the gulf coast right so all of these things are, are happening simultaneously so scalability is key but also having the the concept of a single system of record. Now, it doesn't have to be a monolithic system, and I would actually recommend not using monolithic system. But have it be a a modularized one where data is federated and collected um, and shared by the teams that need only the information they need to do their job, but that you don't have a duplication of data, that everybody's using a different copy of the same piece of information that's when errors happen that's when mistakes happen working off old data or or working off a spreadsheet and you're on the wrong version so um, it's very important to keep not only the teams but the data in sync and a change management process obviously is is key and core here but that's really a gateway term of federating and and making sure that the system of record um, has the highest quality data in it because the minute your data is out of date, people, the the organization can no longer trust that information and then you start scrambling and becomes incredibly inefficient and costly. So that's really the the key of this slide is scalability of a single system of record and connect everybody at the right level, give them the right amount of information for their role and their responsibility. So this is the the call to action, the conclusion of this. First, I would encourage uh, everybody out there that if, embrace this mobility for my sake. If nobody else, I love working at home. I think it's it's one of the best things. I've done it before in my, my past, but um, it, it's uh, really one that allows me to be more effective to get more work done in a single day without spending excessive hours doing so, right? Um, two, as far as mobile planning and design goes in a mobile context, properly equip your workforce with the right tools, whether it's uh, ruggedized devices and or remote applications that allows them to participate in this process to give you more accurate information when doing planning and design, but also providing quality and or site inspection information, photographs, red lines, all those things are invaluable to the planning and design process. And then thirdly uh, and lastly is one, build towards this single system of record in a single pane of glass. I mean, that that is an ultimate goal, I think, that everybody should should strive for. But remember, just a single pane of glass um, doesn't mean everybody has to look at the same thing. You can have a different perspective of that, whether it's a mobile perspective and an executive view, a design view, or a knock view. So Um, Those are just key attributes, and I think uh, that that would be a fantastic goal, a vision for everybody to strive for. So that's it. That's the last slide of my presentation. Gary. I'll turn it back over to you.
1: Hey, Tom, thanks. Um, Yeah, Trish, go back to that slide. So when you – so do you um, differentiate between virtual and mobility?
0: Uh, no, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, it's so going to answer, it looks like, bit.
1: you know, the single pane of glass that, you know, I can be able to do this from my, you know, work at home, whatever, you know, just being able to do it on whatever device versus, you know, at the beginning you're showing, you know, instead of your phone, you're using some, you know, different kind of hardened mobile devices where you're actually in the field, you know, out, you know, trying to do a fiber splice. So is that this it looks like a combination of both virtual, you know, the kind of executive um, dashboards versus um, being able to be in the field and, you know, with your backhoe and and being able to, um, you know, leverage your GPS, your, you know, your records and planning and be able to update that in real time. Is that, am I reading that right? Yes, you
0: are. So the 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 context of, of this image right here is really showing those perspectives of that same system of record. The uh the mobile device there really should be one of those ruggedized tremble devices. Um, but it could it can be a, a mobile device. So you got this mobility aspect of, of it and the virtualization that, that I would speak to one is obviously this could be cloud-based and or um uh from a user perspective, you may have a different view or access to different views, and which is different layers of information. So it's the same system, just providing different views of that same data.
1: Now do you, I, I've never done fiber um, field planning and is, so when you actually have to do a, a splice, do you mark that splice have a gps record of where that splice is or you don't care because that splice is done and you know you're just looking for the next uh, using your otdr to determine where there's uh, some degradation or impairment in your fiber so do you track splices where your splice case absolutely is? absolutely okay.
0: that's that's what that gps gis device is exactly designed to do to give you that precise location of of the splice so there's no guesswork
1: and that's because you that's a the more common point of failure, is that the splice?
0: Um yes, unless of course you've got you have a fiber cut, but it's also an opportunity to extend existing service, right? So that you can connect into a known
1: splice box. And there's you oh, you want to leverage the splice box to do exactly that, add on more services and so forth. Right, exactly. And is there some it seems like there'd be um some efficiencies by in real time being able to um log you know those gps locations at the time of service or when you're you know doing that splice versus you know trying to record it going back to the office trying to update the records later
0: right exactly and 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 we we have customers that have very remote locations that get overgrown with vegetation and and so it may not be so obvious as to where these locations are um, so that having that GPS device that allows you to track exactly where that asset is and also update it. For example, if, if you had to make a repair and you use some of the slack in your reel, then you would update that information so that the O2DR trace would be more accurate as well.
1: You know, the, the summer we had a pool put in our backyard and the subs, you know, the, the, the pool builder seemed to not every day was a surprise, right? When the got okay. the rebar in. Then I'd have to call them, and say, "Well, what's next?" And then they'd have to, you know, have the next guys come out. Um, it seems like, with you know, being able to do in your deployment, that the second that you finish, you know, what your crew finishes something, they'd be able to record that and then to notify, you know, whatever the next phase of that build is, and they, you know, so that there would, seems like there'd be a lot of efficiency gains.
0: Absolutely. And then towards project management, right, I, even to the point of an executive dashboard showing you how a project is going, how the cost versus progress and the cost to complete metrics that, that are available, but also workforce management and, and the workflow, the a process goes from this phase to this phase to this phase, and to be able to automate that information transfer that says, okay, this document is now available for the next team to begin their phase of the project, right? So the idea is that everybody is synchronized with the project as well, and the project managers have a much easier job, have better visibility into what's happening.
1: So in real time, you know with the progress. So one of the questions that came in is, uh you know what is Inghouse's piece in this you know what do you guys do so
0: well inhouse uh it is um, a provider of telecommunication solutions and yes we do offer a, a full uh, OSS and BSS suite of tools um for for your business which include things like service assurance fault performance management GIS based fiber design and planning uh, billing, hosted billing services, um, IPTV services. So we have a, a, a quite a robust portfolio of, of
1: solutions. So one of the other questions just came in is how precise are these locations? So when you are got your handheld GPS and you're marking your splice box, what what's the precision on that?
0: Um, usually three feet or less. So, um, depending on on which technology, which which GPS systems you're using, it's it's three feet or less.
1: And then when you look at all the different stages, you know, plan, design, deploy, operate, is there anything that in particular that stands out as really, you know, particularly risky? You know, what impacts cost, um, you know, more significantly than others, or is everything critical?
0: Well, there's no question that the construction phase is the most costly, regardless of whether your design is flawless or not. But the risk is really in the design and the validation of your construction plan, right? Construction, I think, is 60, 70 percent of the cost of of everything, right? So if you get that right, if you can control costs, um, but it's really based on your design. Are you using overhead spans or under or burying cable or using existing ducts, right? All those cost-saving designs are implemented at that time.
1: So, yeah, when you think, you know, so given how costly the civil works is for fiber deployment, you know, how do your tools impact that cost? Do, you know, do, do you guys have some stats on what that um, looks like?
0: Um, as far as the, I don't have, details on how much money is saved, usually it's percentages of efficiency, but having uh, people in the field doing network planning and design, having actually walked the ground, a walkthrough survey with a mobile device showing exact locations of things, the precision that you get from that versus looking at a map view and connecting a fiber down the road, um, you know, the, the percentages are as much as 20% efficiency gained in accuracy, right? Just knowing exactly, precisely where the fiber planning is going versus having it be somewhat of an academic exercise of, hey, we're just going to go from here to there and see how much that costs.
1: So given that you guys are in this business and you kind of see what's um, what's in the air and what's buried, what, what, what do you guys see as far as kind of the mix between aerial fiber and buried fiber?
0: It really depends on location, ver- rural versus urban. I mean, rural um, rural America or, or rural anywhere really, uh, overhead spans are the most cost-effective. Um, when you get into an urban environment, overhead sometimes isn't even an option. Um, using existing ducts is harder and harder to come by because of capacity there. So, you know, the the, the construction costs are, so they really skyrocket. So it's, it's really a combination of what's available. Uh, as far as the, the cost benefit of that, overhead uh, is, well, I, let me say it the other way around. Underground um, lasts 10 times longer than overhead. Overhead, you have wind, rain, freezing, all those types of things that can impact your quality of service. So uh, if you put something underground, it, it, it's 10 times um, better
1: or last 10 times longer. Well, okay, t- fibers, your area only lasts until the next storm. So it's good that yeah, they have exactly. a lot of married, but uh, yeah, here you got hurricanes, five hurricanes. Hey, well, listen, Tom, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sharing your expertise and insight with our audience. And next week, you know, we're, our, our topic is gonna be from best practice to next practice, breaking new ground and damage prevention with Sarah Magruder um lyle the president and ceo of the common ground alliance um sarah's doing some really interesting stuff and i uh, look forward to um, getting together with her next win- wednesday so you're not going to want to meet miss that so we'll look forward to you guys getting join us again next wednesday thanks everyone